Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up on a Wednesday to bring you some top-shelf radio in a bottom-feeding political world. Man, it's getting ugly in Washington. Jim Jordan is going to stop by from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio to weigh in on the legal pursuit of a fella by the name of Hunter Biden. Hunter's a dirtbag. But it's only getting uglier by the minute. We're also going to talk about Corrine Jean-Pierre, who was fact-checked yesterday about her claim that border crossings were down by 90%. You are so full of sh- Is she ever. Kennedy will be in the house to discuss that as well. And, of course, we will take your calls, texts, tweets, carrier pigeons. We're doing the damn thing. 888-788-9910 in this audio safe space for cool people. I don't mean you're cool like you walk around with a pack of cigarettes under your arm like the Fonz. First of all, it's like way expensive. Cigarettes are like 28 bucks now. Probably cheaper to switch the meth at this point. But the point I was trying to make is you're cool. You take the issues of the day seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously. Okay? For that reason, you can be a Republican on the show. You can be a Democrat. You can be a libertarian. You can be an independent. doesn't matter. The only cover charge is that you don't be a That is all. Happy Wednesday. It was a busy day on the telly yesterday. Uh, Fox and Friends, which was great. I was on with Stuart Varney. Fantastic. I was on with Laura Ingram last night. If you missed any of it, it's on the Fox Across America website. Uh, Tonight, I will be getting the band back together with Sean Hannity. Tomorrow, you can see me on Waters World. And then tomorrow night at 11, I'll be in the ring with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld, on the number one late night show in America, which, by the way, is running unopposed this week. Uh, the shows like Colbert and Fallon and Kimmel, there's a writer strike going on right now, the WGA, the Writers Guild of America. So the late-night shows have been functioning, uh, or at least anyway will be forced to function, uh, without their writing staffs, which I think if you've been watching Colbert for the better part of the last year, you assume the comedy writers had already gone on strike. I think he's got a point. But that is not true. Uh, But we begin today in the radio studio where we belong in our home, in our natural broadcasting habitat, uh, with a good talk about yesterday's White House press briefing. Because i got to be honest, if you watched Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday at the podium. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It really was. And, of course, the big moments, the highlights, the top-line thoughts, as Harris Faulkner always says when I'm on her show is the Peter Ducey standoff with Corrine Jean-Pierre. Now, it's a highlight for two reasons. Number one, Peter Ducey, pound for pound, has as good of a set of hair, head of hair, as you're going to see anywhere in cable news. But number two, he's one of the very few reporters in the room, and this is the more important fact, who's actually asking real questions. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. But not when Ducey is around. And what you're going to notice in this exchange I play for you, okay, is Ducey is pressing KJP on the previous day's claim that illegal border crossings have come down by 90%. That is a fact check false. Okay, according to Customs and Border Patrol, illegal border crossings are actually up by 186,000 people so far this year comparative to the record-breaking year we had last year. 
So when KJP gets up there, it's, ah, border crossings are down. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. She's literally pulling that number out of her straight up. Okay, the number exists nowhere. It cannot be substantiated. But knowing that 99.9% of the reporters in the briefing room aren't actually going to follow up, no one's going to say anything, she just carried on and tries to cut down Ducey when he asks her about it, says he's being dramatic, what's going on. The point is she speaks to everything but the number he asked her to give. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. No, no. She did change the subject and wanted nothing to do with answering the question. And this matters. Okay? I harp on this because the border is the front door to our house. Do you want to know something? Okay? This is why I come back to this story again and again and again. Okay? Illegal fentanyl poisoning deaths in this country are at an all-time high. They're the number one cause of adult death in this country. But more personally to me, so I have a 14-year-old kid who's in ninth grade. Okay, we have one kid the state would never let us have two. They saw that first report card. They were like, you guys should probably get a dog or something. Shut your mouth. But the point is, the five years ago in this country, the number of fentanyl deaths amongst teenagers per 100,000, okay, Five teenagers per 100,000 were dying of fentanyl a month in this country. Okay? The number now under Biden is 21 teenagers. Biden sucks. So an exponential increase in the number of teenage deaths that are taking place in this country under this president because of the porous border. Is anyone in the media talking about it? The answer would be no. Dude, you're talking about a 400% increase. If you were going to tell me that under a Republican president, the number of teenage kids dying from a poisonous substance coming into this border because of that president's policies, okay, was not going to be covered, it would be the only story we were talking about anywhere. Anywhere. It's the only story. If Trump was getting kids killed at a 400% increase over the previous president, it would literally be the only thing on every TV station and every newspaper in the country. But because it's happening under a Democrat, the media is pitching a shutout. The media is a bunch of losers. And they don't even follow up on this KJP question. But you understand, again, the media, the point I'm always trying to make on the show, okay, is the media is failing all of us. They're not screwing over the Republicans by failing to hold the White House accountable. They're screwing over the Democrats and the Libertarians and the Independents because the big stories that matter, the issues that have a primal impact on all of us, go unaccounted for. We talk about sensationalism in the media. Oh, what'd they say on that news channel over there? That's what we talk about. We don't talk about the things that are actually getting people killed. We don't talk about the things that are leading to real-life grave and primal consequences. But listen to you know KJP and Ducey here. Because these are the words of a woman who knows she doesn't have to answer questions. Ducey flat out asks where she got this number from. I'll start with her previous day's statement. Okay, Corrine Jean-Pierre said on Monday that Biden's actions have lowered border crossings by 90%. You were lying your ass off. Okay, they're up a few hundred percent under this president. But here is Ducey just asking her to clarify. Here's where she takes it. Clip two. You said yesterday that when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down by more than 90 percent. 
Where did that number come from? It because was, I was CBP speaking. is telling us the number is. I hear you. I'm about to answer. I'm about, people more I'm about to answer you. Year so if you, far. if you, if the dramatics could come down just a little bit. Uh, if the dramatics could come down a little what's bit. What's dramatic about asking a question about? Okay, I'm, go I'm going to answer. So I was speaking to the parolee program, as you know, the president put in place a parolee program to deal with, uh, to deal with certain countries uh, on on ways that we can limit illegal migration, and we have seen the data has shown us that it has gone down by more than ninety percent. That was what I was speaking and to. No, I'm, really we're, we're going to go. We're going to move. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can't handle the truth. But I mean, what a piece of garbage answer that is she is so bad at her job the verbatim quote when it, this is the verbatim quote he's asking her to speak to when it comes to illegal migration you've seen it come down by more than 90 percent first of all it hasn't customs and border patrol says it's up by 136,000 people this year last year was the highest recorded number in the history of the country meaning illegal migration has never come down under this president. Correct the mundo. But anyway, he asks her specifically, when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down by more than 90%. It hasn't, but this is her direct quote, and that's because of this, the actions that this president has taken. But we know that more action needs to be taken, so it has to be legislative action. So that's, again, her making a push for Congress to pass some type of an immigration bill that the Democrats favor meaning something that will emphasize climate change and pronouns and everything in between because the whole country is just a big, giant, woke mafia flag. Everything woke turns to But anyway, when he asks her where she got the number down, she tries to split hairs here and says, I was very specifically speaking to the parolee program. You gotta do better than that. So she wants you to believe there's some program for parolees People who have migrated to this country illegally, gotten jailed for it, and then been paroled after the fact, those numbers are down. Shut up, fool! Come on, man. We're not even having the same conversation. And knowing she doesn't have an answer, and knowing they're not prepared for any type of pushback, what does she accuse Ducey of? Theatrics? Dramatics? I mean, dude. That was absolutely dreadful. Listen to this again. Tell me if he's being dramatic. Okay, dramatic when it comes to the Democrats, just so you understand. It's no different than hate speech. It's no different than, like, people feel threatened. Okay, when they use words like dramatic and hate speech, what falls under that umbrella is anything that doesn't suit their narrative. Tell them like it is. That's all she's saying here. Hey, don't press me on this. It doesn't suit my narrative. That's what's going on here. Clip two. You said yesterday that when it comes to illegal migration, you've seen it come down by more than 90%. Where did that number come from? It was, I was CBP speaking. is telling us the number is. I hear you. I'm about to answer. I'm about, people more I'm about to answer you. Year so if far. you. If you, if the dramatics could come down just a little bit. I, um, know, if it, the dramatics could come down a little what's bit. What's dramatic? About asking a question about... Okay, I'm, I'm going to answer. So I was speaking to the parolee program. As you know, the president put in place a parolee program to deal with, uh, to deal with certain countries uh, on, on ways that we can limit illegal migration. And we have seen, the data has shown us that it has gone down by more than 90%. That was what I was speaking and to. to no, I'm, really we're, we're going to go. We're going to move. Go ahead, go ahead. 
You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That was a non-answer. And the reason they got a non-answer is they can't give a real answer. Okay, because the real answer is they're getting people killed. And I harp on this because one of the most vulnerable demographics is the demographic my son belongs to. Okay, I'm just a real dude on the other end of the microphone with a lot of the same concerns you have. How are we going to pay for it? Are we going, going to remain safe on our way to pay for it? Okay, when we're done paying for it and we want to blow off some steam, are we going to die at the party because everything's been poisoned in this country? Understand, very basic primal needs. They're not Republican needs. They're not Democrat needs. They're human needs. Okay, what's going on in this country is there's a real dereliction of duty and an indifference to the death that they're causing. People aren't overdosing on drugs anymore. When you and I were teenagers, people, you'd hear it once or twice a year, somebody overdosed on drugs. And what did that mean? They did so many drugs. They got so carried away partying that it caught up to them and killed them one night. And the connotation that came with saying someone overdosed meant that they were a habitual drug user who happened to put up some particularly big numbers on one night that caught up to them. And because that has always been the connotation behind the word overdose, people have kind of taken their eye off the ball when it comes to fentanyl because they hear overdose and they go, I don't have to worry about that. My kid isn't doing drugs. But what's happening with these deaths is these are not frequent drug users. These are first-time drug users. These are people who've never taken a drug at all but have a term paper due, so they go out and eat an Adderall that happens to have fentanyl in it. Okay, these are people that have never done drugs in their life, but they're drunk at a college party, so they do a line of cocaine that has fentanyl in it. Okay, in some instances, people are smoking weed that's been cut with fentanyl because it enhances the drug dealer's ability to stretch the toxicity and potency of the drug while lowering the production cost in the process. That's what's going on. Guys, the people who break the laws and sell illegal drugs, okay, aren't really that concerned with the well-being of the people they're selling them to. They're not concerned with anything. They just want to get paid. Now, I understand that that's always been the behavior and the indifference that you get from a drug dealer. I just never expected to see it from the people inside the White House. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. When you're right. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. 
There it is, Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, fired up on a Wednesday. We stack the deck today. Jim Jordan is coming by. Kennedy is coming by. She's, of course, one half of the Laughs and Liberty Tour that kicks off this Saturday. We will be in Reading, Pennsylvania. Assuming I haven't gotten in hiding after the Kentucky Derby, because, you know, the horse race runs right before we get on stage. And, uh, you know, your Uncle Jimmy's been known to get into a little trouble at the racetrack from time to time. Right now, we're talking about the trouble at the border. Corrine Jean-Pierre also asked yesterday by Peter Ducey, hey, if the border's secure, as everyone keeps telling us in this White House, why are we sending an additional 1,500 troops? I think he's got a point. Interesting. Here it is, clip one. If the border is secure, as the administration has said, then why would we need to send 1,500 active-duty U.S. troops down there? Because we need more work. We need more work needs to be done, Peter. We put forth a a, a comprehensive immigration uh, uh, legislation, and Congress, Republicans in Congress, refused to act. And so the president has used the tools that he has in front of him uh, to to prepare ahead of uh, Title 42 lifting. As you know, that is happening uh, in in the next couple of days. And so we are putting uh, DHS, Department of State, is putting forth processes processes, uh, to deal uh, deal with the changes that are going to be ahead of us. You're not telling me the truth. Okay, yes, they do expect changes, none of them good. When Title 42 goes away, we're sending down 1,500 troops. But now here's where it gets interesting. Are we sending down the troops to stop people from crossing the border? The answer would be no. No, according to the White House, they're going down there to help with processing. So we're taking our troops, you know, the people who protect us from actual harm, the people who might actually secure the border so the poisonous fentanyl doesn't come in so the human traffickers don't take advantage of women and children. We're taking troops capable of stopping such a thing, and we're sticking them behind a desk so they can make photocopies and sign forms and fingerprint people. That's stupid! Use your common sense! But it's so part and parcel for this administration. We're fighting all the wrong battles. Like, the people who actually fight battles are now going to be fighting the printer like it's office space. (laughs) This is insane. I laugh because it's a coping mechanism. Listen to Senator James Langford on special report with Brett Baer. It's clip nine. It's a big issue for us, and we are trying to be able to push back and say, be serious about this and actually engage. And when they throw out numbers like they did, 90% of the folks we've had a decline, what they mean is certain countries, the actual number of people crossing the border goes up. But they pull these statistics out and and try to convince people, hey, look, it's better. Don't believe your eyes. (laughs) What's he basically telling you? He's telling you everybody in the White House is a scam. That is correct. They found some, well, you know, the parolee program is down uh, 90%. Yo, the specific question is the border. And border crossings are up. They were at an all-time high last year. They're up by 136,000 so far this year. This could be a problem. It already is a problem. And when they start pulling semantics... Some type of not now it's down if on a Tuesday between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. on days that are 64 degrees or less. The border crossings are definitely down a little bit, as you will see here. Okay, they're lying to you. That's the point. And I can deal with politicians lying. It's the carnage that's ensued on the back end. No, that's the issue. But they don't care. They'll just keep making these claims. And it's ridiculous. That is balderdash and hogwash and mm-hmm. 
It's the action film that identifies as number one at the box office. Sylvester Stallone is Tranbo. We can't change what we are. The woke military forced an elite commando to switch genders. I didn't want this! They took his nuts. But now he wants them back. You know where they are. Find them. Or I'll find you. Tranbo. Nothing is weird if you don't believe in who you are. Now playing in liberal theaters and coming soon to a women's swimming race near you. And I did what I had to do to win, but somebody wouldn't let us win. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here's one of those moments, man. Ouch. Okay, really, though, let's go through this as a team. If you listen to this show regularly, okay, you have heard me play that Tranbo bit probably, I don't know, five or six times since we produced it a couple months ago, you know, depending on what the news story is. We give you a little customer service. We'll write a bit. We'll write a little song parody. Who loves you, pal? Okay, that's how we kind of cartoon the news. We're trying to keep the temperature low, and we're trying to make this content accessible to as many people as possible because my party, although I am a conservative, my party is not the Republican Party. My party is America, and I want to have conversation, uh, common-sense conversations with everybody so we can lower the temperature and make some societal progress. Like, that's the stated mission of the show. You know, people say, oh, these broadcasters have an agenda. Oh, I absolutely have an agenda. Okay, I don't want to live in this cutthroat world where anyone who disagrees with me is an enemy and portrayed as an existential threat to my existence. I want to live in a world where we just prioritize a greater good and I can go home and play Madden with my kid and drink too much whiskey on my patio. That's what I want to do. That's how I'm calibrated. Okay, but I bring all of this up because that Tranbo bit we wrote, which was, you know, an exercise in kind of clowning the current news cycle and the fact that. They are forcing transgenderism into every arena imaginable, whether people asked for it or not. Okay, that bit, which was absolutely written as a joke, as a farce, as a thing where we were like, could you imagine if something this ridiculous happened? Well, here's a newsflash. It has now happened. What the hell is the world coming to? Always the, this, it's, it's nuts. How much satire becomes real these days. Okay, the Navy, having a little bit of a Dylan Mulvaney moment. Okay, not quite Tranbo. Same thing, though. Same recruiting thing. Okay, so the Navy has taken a drag performer named Harpy Daniels. And Harpy, God love him, wherever the hell he is, keep him safe. I wish Harpy no ill will. Okay, but Harpy Daniels, a drag queen, is the Navy's new digital ambassador in a bid to boost recruitment because the Navy lost its recruiting goal by 8,000 people. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Exactly, because naturally, what do they do? They've (laughs) like, well, nobody wants to join the, the Navy these days. Nobody wants to join the Army. Nobody wants to join the Marines. I've got it. We'll get a drag queen. We'll throw them into the recruiting video. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just, they're not respecting our country the way they used to. Okay, let me give it to you really quickly. Okay, to quote the late great Rush Limbaugh, he'd say this. The military's job is to break stuff and kill people. That's what the military's there to do. It's not there to be held to the same corporate standards of inclusion and equity and climate and everything in between. The military's job is to be the team nobody wants to play. 
peace through strength. We are so potent, we are so fierce that nobody wants to mess with us. Yo, dude, you pissed off America. That can't be good. And they shut up and start behaving better. But now we're prioritizing everything that makes people want to be a part of one of these fighting forces. They don't want to go there because they know people are going to protect their feelings. Okay, boot camp is the complete opposite of protecting your feelings. Here are the lowest form of life on earth. Okay, they're not there to make you feel good and better and wanted. You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. No, they're there to break you down. And make you so hyper-focused on the objective that you leave that boot camp as a killing machine. Oh, you little maggot! You make me want to vomit! But this idea that the U.S. Navy has turned to a drag performer, I'll read it to you, in its efforts to reach younger recruits on digital platforms and social media. Yeoman second-class Joshua Kelly, whose stage name is Harpy Daniels, announced on TikTok in November that he would be the Navy's first digital ambassador. So a Dylan Mulvaney. Highlighting his journey from performing on board beginning in 2018 and growing to become an advocate for those who were oppressed for their years in the service. I mean... Are you stupid or something? Kelly, who identifies as non-binary, was one of the just five active sailors to participate as digital ambassadors for the Navy in its efforts to reach a wide range of potential candidates, a spokesman told Daily Caller. None of the digital ambassadors were paid, the spokesperson said, and no promotional recruiting materials with the ambassadors exist. The campaign is reminiscent of Bud Light's partnership with trans star Dylan Mulvaney, which led to an immediate backlash, cost billions, and caused the brand sales to plummet. The Navy's digital ambassador program has now ended, running from October the 22nd through March the 2023. Officials are now working to assess its effectiveness. Well, assuming they missed their recruiting goal by 8,000 people, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it didn't work. Bingo. Why? Because people who want to join a fierce fighting force, okay, are not doing so for the inclusion. They're doing so because they have a willingness to sacrifice their lives, if need be, to protect the values we hold dear in this country. Freedom! But, yo, it's war. You understand it's a battlefield, limbs flying, things blowing up, people being pulverized. Your feelings are irrelevant. But the Navy is catching a backlash off of this. So the Navy just issued a statement. And again, just so you understand that the people in charge of this country right now are prioritizing everything but what matters. This was their justification for this. Okay, this is bananas. Okay, the Navy explains why it chose a digital ambassador who performs in drag under the name Harpy Daniels. Okay, we already know why they did it. They're crazy. But to take it a step further, (laughs) this is so nuts, okay? This is so nuts, okay? The Navy says they did this. It was designed to show, let me read it to you, okay? YN2, which is Yeoman Second Class Kelly, performs in drag in his off hours and was trying to reach the generation that wants to know that they can have their own interests outside the military and that they are not joining the Navy to become robots. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Of course you can have your own interests outside the Navy, outside the armed forces. But you're recruiting people for the job they need to do in the Navy. 
The message is to Gen Z, to Gen Z, according to the senior Navy spokesperson, is you can be part of something bigger than yourself, but you can also be an individual, whatever grade. Okay, it was designed to show we have diversity in our ranks. Okay, can I just jump in here for a second? Because this is where it's revealed for the ridiculous net that it is. Okay, there is nothing in the United States of America in the history of the United States of America. I'm meaning going back to opening day, powdered wigs, George Washington's walking around. Like that United States. Like we're not even quite the United States of America. We're on our way to becoming the United States of America. Going back to that, to the Marvel origin story of the United States of America, where we sent a letter over to the Brits and like, yeah, you want some of this? You know, I got your taxation right here, King. Why don't you come get it? That United States of America. Going all the way back to that moment, there has never, and I'm talking in a time of institutional slavery, there has never been anything more diverse in the history of this country than our military. That's true. That is true. Ever in the history of our country, in any decade of this country's existence, there has never been a single bastion of our society more diverse than the military. When you go to the Army, you go to the Navy, you go to the Marines, you go to the Air Force, okay, you will meet people from every walk of life known to man from every socioeconomic background, from every race, color, and creed. What they do now in the military, which is what they do in every woke, uh, you know, battlefield in Washington these days, whether we're talking about corporate boardrooms or everything in between, is they're trying to pretend that America still has barriers to break, that people are still somehow oppressed in this country, that all of this is new. Like, oh, it would be pioneering if we started making the military diverse. Yo, the military was diverse when we were kicking the British asses up and down the East Coast, we were diverse. Okay, every ethnicity on the planet served. Okay, and always has. All the way through the Civil War on up, the one thing anyone who has ever served in the military will tell you is that they met people from every walk of life imaginable during their time in the military. The military's appeal is not, oh, I can be an individual. The military's appeal is that we're going to kick the shit out of anybody, and you want to be on the front line of that. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? (laughs) Can you dig it? (laughs) Understand, that's the gig. The gig is not, oh, I can perform in drag when we're not launching rockets at somebody. This whole this whole mentality of a of a oh man yeah the army tank with the coexist bumper sticker it drives me crazy. Okay, I grew up in Levittown, it's the biggest post World War II settlement for American GIs returning home from the war. Okay, you know what they all had in co- common? They love the country. Beyond that, they weren't all white. Okay, they all served in the military, but they served in the military from every socioeconomic you can think background you could think of black, white, Asian, Muslim, Latino, anything. Okay, they served in the military. They loved the country. Okay, and when the money was on the table, they wanted the ball in their hands. They wanted to take on all comers. They wanted us to be the team nobody wants to play. That's the point of the military. It's not about your feelings. It's not about inclusion. There are certain jobs that require certain job skills that don't overlap in other areas. You understand? We can't all be held to the same corporate standard. We can't all look like the college brochure. Here's the nice guy with a sweater. 
There's the non-binary trans people. Listen, if you want to be in the military and you want to kill, 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 and you want to defend this country, I don't care what your background is. It doesn't matter because every background's already there. But the idea that we should be emphasizing background over mission, that we should be confusing the mission of inclusion with the mission of victory at all costs, understand General Douglas MacArthur, the most famous quote, the one that hangs in the tunnel at Yankee Stadium before they go onto the field. There is absolutely no substitute for victory. Okay, if we lose a war, we can't buy our way out with, well, but the pronouns. Well, but did you say, listen, yeah, we lost the war, but did you see how many two-spirit people we had on the battlefield? I mean, that's progress, isn't it? No. Okay, the whole point of the military is to win violent wars, not to make points for the woke left in the culture wars. It's the war movie that's got critics praising its inclusiveness. Introducing Woke Metal Jacket. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. The Pentagon is tired of having nothing but tough men in the Marine Corps. You gotta be me, Joker. So they're relaxing standards to make it easier for other types of soldiers. Sound off like you got a pair. Any military can focus on hurting their enemies, but only the American military can focus on hurt feelings. Are you shook up? Are you nervous? Woke Metal Jacket. Good night, ladies. Now playing in Washington and coming soon to a losing war near you. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, 888-788-9910. Jim Jordan in the next hour. Kennedy will be here as well. Right now we're getting on to the phones. Michael batting leadoff. He is in Cleveland, Ohio. Yo, Michael. Yo, Jimmy. Hey, ah, it's so great to talk to you, my friend. I'm saying. Uh, you do not know how spot on you are with your comments about the military. I currently have two family members in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Here's the good news for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. The good news is the people out there, uh, boots on the ground, on the in the ships, on the seas, they know what's up. Mm-hmm. They know what their job is. Mm-hmm. It's the idiots in D.C., in the Pentagon, where all this nonsense is coming from. And, you know, uh, it's sort of like with the FBI. We need to clean house, and I have a feeling that uh, will happen down the road, if you know what I mean. Hey, girl, uh, listen, it's so stupid because they're fighting every battle but the battle. You know what I'm saying? And yes. And you know this. If you have family members in the military, they work with people of every ethnicity known to man, every background, yes. every economic class. So it's like kind of a pretend thing. Is they're like, oh, well, we want to we want to recruit based on things you don't have to do in the military, meaning you could be a drag queen. That's fine. But you don't have to be one in order to win a war. You know, you got to be able to launch a plane, shoot a rocket, hold a gun. You know how you dance Uh, to, you know, how you dance to shoop by salt and pepper in a set of high heels with a dress on isn't really relevant to winning the battle. You see what I'm saying? 
I, I love your saying, they are fighting all the wrong battles. That is so spot on. And their job is to kill people. Hello, how are you going to dress that up? That That's not <laughs> what it's about. It's not about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah. It's about the bad guys wanting to kill us yep. and us trying to kill them. No, I no. Mean, it's <laughs> Michael, very simple. Michael, we're going to kill them with kindness. That's the new mission. <laughs> <laughs> that's so then crazy. Them over for and maybe we can show them a drag show. What? That's, that's, Are you kidding me? It is so crazy, man. There's never been a dumber time to be alive. Uh, I'll be out in your hood soon. I was actually on Cleveland Radio yesterday with my buddy Bloom Daddy, who hosts in the afternoon. And uh, you don't know this, but I met Jenny Fela in Cleveland right there on Euclid Street at Hilarities. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I'm well, sorry. I just came through Pennsylvania, Jimmy, and it was snowing in the mountains. What's up? It's May. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'll make a couple of phone calls. I'll try to get it straightened out for you, okay? Do well, brother. God bless you, buddy. Good call. We'll do it again soon. There he goes, the great Michael. He's driving through Cleveland, Ohio. That really is where I met Jenny. I met her at Hilarities Comedy Club uh, in Cleveland on her birthday, December 11th, 2003. Uh, this woman walked into my life, and I was like, I am going to marry that woman. I knew it the night of, and we both, she knew it too. Uh, we didn't say anything about being happy. We just knew we were going to be together. You are so dumb. You are really dumb, for real. But you know what? Again, Michael seeing snow on the highways in Pennsylvania in the beginning of May is, is, is you know, as much of an outlier as that might be from a meteorological standpoint – it's not as jarring to me as using drag queens to recruit sailors and soldiers. <laughs> the Army, here's the thing. The Army also is going to miss its recruiting goal this year, meaning we're understaffed in the Army. We're understaffed in the Navy by 8,000 people. These are the jobs tasked with killing people. They should not be held to the same standards as corporate America. They should use worse language if need be. Okay, they should have probably, you know, a little bit looser decorum in terms of the standard of behavior. The only thing we need them to do is the job the rest of us can't or weren't willing to sign up for, which is to take a human being who wants to harm this country and turn them into confetti. That's the gig in the military. If you want to go out dancing with the girls after the show or the boys dressed as a girl, I don't care. But we have a much more important job for you to do first. He knows what he's talking about. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Back in action. It's a big Wednesday on Fox Across America, a varsity game, if you will. Jim Jordan, he's stopping by from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Kennedy's going to be in the House as well. We're going to have to play you a couple of clips from Kamala Harris. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 No, I get it. Uh, but Kamala figuring very prominently in today's news cycle. Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! A lot of people feel that way. We will get into it in this hour. 888-788-9910. So if you have been following me and the goings-on in the life of your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, then you know I was down in D.C. this weekend at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, one of the people who I happened to run into and have a quick conversation with was a very, very polite gentleman 
by the name of Douglas Imhoff, who happens to be our second gentleman. He is the man who married Kamala Harris. That's Doug Imhoff. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. No, 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 no. He was a really, I, I, I want this to be said. He was a really nice guy, and I was glad he was a really nice guy. I don't want people to be our enemies in this country. I don't want you to see this administration as your enemy, even if they're doing a lot of things that are screwing up your life. I want you to vote them out of office, but I don't want you to look at them as your enemy, as if we're in some type of a war, because heaven forbid some type of a war actually happens someday. We're all going to have to learn how to play team ball. Okay, the way politics is distilled currently is really counterproductive to the greater good of this country. So I want these people to be cool on the other side of the aisle, even if I hate every single one of their ideas. And to be clear, I do. But I met Douglas Imhoff over the weekend at one of the parties in D.C. He was a really nice guy. Even if he wasn't nice, I still would have been nice just out of sympathy for what the guy goes through. Can you imagine coming home every day and having to listen to Kamala Talk to you about her day like that. No! Oh, no, no. Seriously, I'd fi- find the nearest bridge over the Potomac and just jump right off it. So the, the, the fact that that dude, OK, was nice and he's married to the vice president and everything in between. OK, it was a pleasant exchange. And it's been on my mind because Kamala, who is supposedly, supposedly the borders are. Okay, is the borders are at a time when Biden just announced he was sending 1,500 troops down to the southern border. That's what Biden announced yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. This is significant, and there's a bigger point to make here. Because Kamala Harris had once said, okay, as a senator just four years ago, okay, that sending troops to the border, which is something Trump did, was wildly inappropriate, something you should never do. And now that a Republican's out of office, they're sending 1,500 troops. Is she saying anything? The answer would be no. And the reason I bring this up is not to call out the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is baked into the cake when it comes to politics. It just is. The bigger problem is on certain primal issues like the border. Okay, political opposition is supposed to require a basic decency, meaning everyone on earth knows you have to secure the border. Like they might not admit that publicly because it's not fashionable right now, but it's like defunding the police. There's nobody in their right mind who thinks we'd have a better society if we had less cops and more empathy for the criminals. I agree with that. But they were out there calling to defund the police because it was a politically viable strategy. Hey, people are mad at the cops. So if we get even madder, they'll vote for us. That's what they did. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the street. I mean, you're an idiot. <laughs> Seriously, AOC. Would you shut up? But they were willing to say that not because it was better for society. They knew that. Do you have to have cops? What are you, stupid? You have to have cops. And you have to have more empathy for the cops, more consideration, and a greater benefit of the doubt for the cops than you ever do for the criminals. I understand that police operating in a life-or-death capacity often make decisions in a millionth of a, de- of a second 
with lives hanging in the balance that you might not necessarily agree with. But the point is you're making your judgment while sitting on a couch in a neoclassical position eating chips that are all over your shirt, you animal. Okay, these criminals that wind up getting killed, roughed up by a cop here or there, okay, didn't wind up interacting with the cops because they were just walking down the street minding their business. They wound up operating with, uh, that way with the cops, interacting, because they broke the law. I'm not saying they deserve to die. Of course not. But we're kidding ourselves and setting ourselves back as a society, compromising our own safety when we demonize the cops absent the full context of a police interaction. Okay, I'm not saying anyone who resists arrest deserves to die, but I am saying we need to acknowledge the responsibility people play, okay, in their own demise. If you are resisting arrest against a cop violently, okay, you have changed the odds, not the cops, you have changed the odds. Now, if something goes wrong from there, again, I wouldn't be happy that you died. But we have to be mindful of our own responsibility to society. And that also goes for political rhetoric. Everybody on earth knows that if you demonize border agents, if you demonize the idea of border security, you've made all of us less safe as a result. You've emboldened cartels. You've emboldened the criminals that exploit women and children and smuggle drugs into our poorest country and border along the way. So when Kamala Harris back in 2018, was taking the position of sending troops to the border is bad. Okay, this is just a stupid person. What the hell were you thinking? You know what she was thinking. She's a stupid person who talks in device and repetition. It's the pursuit of doing things better than we have done and seeing what is possible unburdened by what has been. We see what can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened by what has been? What can be unburdened by what has been? We see what can be unburdened by what has been. This is a fight that is born out of seeing and knowing what can be and believing in that, unburdened by what has been. Knowing and believing and having faith in what can be, unburdened by what has been. Knowing what can be unburdened by what has been. To see what can be unburdened by what has been. You sound insane. Do you realize that? You should be medicated. I mean, really? So in what world do you expect you to be mad or mean to that woman's husband? Like, imagine what this poor guy is going through. He's got to speak to that sociopath who speaks in redundancy, It's it's got to be a lot to deal with. God love them both. I wish them no ill will. But their mismanagement of this country is costing us lives. It is damaging the well-being of the very country that you happen to be living in right now. Okay, back in 2018, the Democrats took a position that securing the border was racist. That was the official position. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. But understand, okay, that that's true. It is true in every sense of the word. The Democrats voted for border wall funding under George W. Bush and again under Barack Obama. They knew we needed to secure the border. Okay, but they decided not to, to this very day. 
They turned a blind eye and caused a humanitarian crisis at the border by repealing Trump's border policies the second they got into office. They physically fought in the Supreme Court to repeal Title 42. They signed an executive order to end the Remain in Mexico policy. Why? Because they had taken a political position that securing your own border was racist. No, it's not racist. It's just plain basic common sense. The border is the front door to the House. You want a front door on your house. None of you, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, are going to rip the front door off the hinges before you go to bed tonight. And if somebody else does, you're probably going to stay awake watching who comes in and out of the front door or who might want to. Okay, it's basic common sense. But they took the position that started the ball rolling to where we are now, which is having to send 1,500 troops down to the border. Mind you, they're not even going down there to stop migrants. Okay, Trump was sending troops to the border to stop people from getting in. Biden's sending troops to the border to do paperwork for all the people they plan on letting in when Title 42 expires. But again, here is Kamala in 2018 speaking out against troops to the border. The very thing she's now doing is a border czar. Clip five. I believe that it is inappropriate to require the limited resources of the United States military to be used in such a way um, when the when it was, you know, when and these these folks who are being deployed there, they're going to leave their they've left their families. They will not be home, looks like, for Thanksgiving. And all because there needed to be some demonstration for the TV cameras based on a political agenda instead of what is a national security threat. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact checked. Do you hear that? They're going to leave their families. They won't be home for Thanksgiving, which, again, is not a good thing. But do you see how it's an emotions are there facts type of scenario, they want to get you upset. These soldiers have to leave their families. They're not going to be there for Thanksgiving. And again, it's not ideal. That's why we have so much reverence and respect and appreciation for the people who put on the uniform and make these sacrifices. But the idea that she's upset in 2018 because soldiers are going down to protect the border, but she's stone silent in 2023 when soldiers are once again going to leave their families. And they're going to go down there, but they're not going to protect the border. Okay, what they're going to do is go down there and do a bunch of paperwork. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. Think about that. Now we're sending the troops down. We're going to keep letting people in. We're not sending them down to block people. But this is where political opposition and need to score political points has gotten to such a hyper partisan level of stupidity that people are putting the needs of the party, the needs of that day's news cycle ahead of the well-being of human beings, people smuggled into this country, people tasked with stopping the smuggling. Okay, we can't have troops at the border under Trump. Something about racism. Okay, but troops can go under us because we're poised to have 13,000 migrants a day come into the country. Do you remember famously? Okay, when she was being interviewed by Ron Vitiello, and uh, she had implied that the ICE agents tasked with deporting Violent criminals who were in this country illegally, she compared them to the KKK. Do you understand? We had this arrest last night in Texas. I was waiting to go on Laura Ingram. If you watch me, thank you. I need the ratings, girlfriend. But as I was sitting there in the studio waiting to do Ingram, we got the good news that the cops had found that fugitive, that dirtbag who killed a family in Texas after being deported from this country five previous times. 
Okay, he was now in the country illegally again. ICE, which has seen cuts to its administrative capacity, to its budgets. Okay, ICE, which would normally be tasked with deporting a violent felon like this lunatic, okay, had this lunatic living amongst us in the ranks. They've been beaten down. They've been demoralized. They've been minimized. The people who would normally get a guy like that and throw him back out of the country are now not even going after guys like that because deporting people is somehow racism now. That's what we're being told. And you damn well better believe that this type of strategy exists because of the mindset Democrats adapted towards border security when they were trying to score political points under Trump. Here is Kamala Harris saying the ICE agents, the ones that protect you and your family from violent criminals who shouldn't be here, are akin to the KKK. Clip six. Why would we call them domestic terrorist group? Because they tried to use fear and force to change political environment. And what was the motivation for the use of fear and force? It was based on race and ethnicity. Right. Are you aware of the perception of um, many about how the, the, the power and the discretion at ICE is being used to enforce the laws? And do you see any parallels? I do not see any parallels between I'm talking about officers and agents. I'm talking about perception. I, I do not see a parallel between what is constitutionally mandated as, in, as it relates to enforcing the law. Are you aware that there's a rights. perception? I see no Are you aware that there's a that perception? That puts ICE in the same category as the KKK. Garbage like you just makes me sick. She's literally, as a senator, trying to force him into saying that people say, see ICE like the KKK. Get her out. Get her out of here. Really think about that. ICE, you know the people that are there to enforce the laws in the Constitution to make sure that a guy with a violent arrest record a mile and a half long who is capable of killing a family is thrown out of this country. He's here illegally. She wanted you to believe ICE was the bad guy in that sort of scenario. And that's why ICE has less funding and less wherewithal. And that's why violent thugs that should have been deported are roaming free in our country. It's because they waged a war on the importance of border security for no other reason than to score political points. I'm telling you it's disgusting and we're all less safe as a result. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's a typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking with Jim Jordan in a minute about the situation at the border. He is, of course, a Republican. Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat, and give her credit for going against the grain in her party and telling the truth. Okay, the Democrats are really good at settling in around a narrative and just, you know, keeping a straight face. Okay, when it comes to the border, no one from the great state of Arizona is capable of marching in that sort of lockstep. Here is Cinema telling you the truth. It's clip seven. Obviously, the border is not secure. Anyone with eyes can see that. And anyone who lives in a border state like I do actually takes offense at comments like that because they're just factually not true. The reality is, is that border communities in my state are suffering already. And that's before the end of Title 42. Just last week, I held a hearing in our border subcommittee and brought a Republican mayor and a Democratic mayor 
both representing small border towns from Arizona, and we just asked them, what is it like every day in your town? There are high-speed chases going on through the city of Sierra Vista right now, with young teens driving cars and sometimes being killed or causing the death of others, transporting drugs and other migrants through these communities. It is not secure. It is not safe. And yet they're out there every day in the Biden administration telling you the border is secure. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Every single time. Okay. Ron Vitiello, he was on uh, with Sean Hannity last night. I'll be on Hannity tonight. He was the former Border Patrol chief that was questioned by Kamala when she tried him to say that ICE was the KKK. Listen to it. Clip 10. They took down the migrant protection protocols, which was a consequence for people who came to the United States, some of which might have qualified for asylum, but we know many of them did not. He ripped down that program and not only ended the program so that people had to wait in Mexico to have their hearing, he let the 600 and some thousand people who were in that, or the the thousands of people that were in that program, he let them into the United States, thereby sending a signal across the globe that he had no serious attempt to control this border. None at all. Okay. And that's why we're in the position where we're in, where they're more concerned with the optics than the outcome. You have no idea how to defend a nation. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, trying to hold this country together, but we're calling in some heavyweight backup. He is a superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District in Ohio. Uh, he is the, I mean, let's be clear, a lot of, lot of credits. Okay, the House Judiciary Committee Chairman, Jim Jordan in the House. Hey, man. How are you doing? Is this, is this the guy who had the pink tux on? Is that, is that what I understand? <laughs> the, the pink tux, man. <laughs> Mr. Spork. Good for Mr. you. Mr. Mm-hmm. Wearing the pink. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Listen. I'm out of breath because I'm on Central Time. I'm here helping uh, a colleague of mine, Mike Johnson. I was working out. And all of a sudden, Kirby said, hey, you got to do this. I was thinking I was, mm-hmm. you know, Listen. One, 1 East or, or excuse me, one uh, one thirty Central Time. But anyway, the no. pink talk, that's amazing. Uh, I that's thought amazing. you – listen, I thought you were out of breath because you were dragging Russell <laughs> away from that open bar at the correspondence <laughs> dinner. I I was surprised to run into him at the end of the night, but the minute I realized it was free drinks, I was like, of course he's here. Of course he's here. But he wasn't drinking Bud Light. He wasn't no, drinking Bud Light. give, him, sure. give, give him credit. Sure. He was drinking everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. To the point of the pink tuxedo jacket, which I will have you know, I mean, you see me on TV a lot. I have yeah. carved out a lane where I'm slightly yeah. outside the box, but they, they actually love it. Do you know how many compliments I got on that jacket, yourself notwithstanding? A lot. <laughs> well, you got the plaid one too that you wear on Fox, oh, yeah, right? No, I've seen yeah. you in that that checkered thing. And, oh yeah, no, no, uh, we're, we're whatever, you, whatever. Jim. I'm, I'm sort of colorblind, so I can't tell all the colors, well, but it's it's definitely colorful. Well, there you go. The thing is, I'm trying to distract from my glaring lack of intellect. So if you, if you wear loud stuff, the viewer f- assumes you know what you're talking about. They're like, "Well, look at this guy in the yeah. pink. He's on top of it." That's the scheme. If you must know, if you must know. Yeah. Um, well, I go mean, ahead. I actually think, uh, I mean, you you set yourself short. I mean, the, the uh, people in comedy are some of the sharpest people around. So you do a good job. Do oh, a good job. come I mean, on, people, man! People appreciate it. People Thanks. appreciate it. I'll, I'll break from my uh, giving you giving you <laughs> the business. Ah, <laughs> listen, right target, actually. But no, you do a good job. Thanks, brother. Well, you're only bashing the pink because it's a size 46, and you probably wear like a kid's 30. 
So let's be honest. If they have one, if they make one in juniors, I'll send it out to your office and you can wear it sometime. But stick with me. Uh, Do you ever get the feeling as a sports fan, don't you wish when there was like a White House press conference that we got challenge flags? You know how a coach can throw a challenge flag in the NFL? Like, wouldn't it be great yesterday if Kareem Jean-Pierre says border crossings are down 90% and you just see an orange flag land next to the podium? Oh yeah, or every reporter, even the libs, throw throw it in, throw it in, challenge the call, go to the videotape, go yep. to something, go to the facts, the real fact checkers, not the fake fact checkers. Yeah, no, it'd be great. Yeah, because it's a scam. And when they say border crossing down ninety percent, that's a scam. Number one, but number two, even the troops that are going down there, they're not even necessarily going down to stop this. They're just going down to do paperwork because when they repeal Title Forty Two, yeah. everybody's coming. Yeah, no, well, everybody's been coming, and now everybody plus some are going to be coming. And you're exactly right. There'll be processors, which is, you, you know, the good Border Patrol agents, that, that all, all those guys who are so good at what they do, that they don't they want to do their job. They want to do what they were mm-hmm. trained for. Instead, they become processors now for the last, what, 28 months. Yep. And it's – I don't get it. I just don't get the left. Uh, maybe we talked the last time, but mm-hmm. I still go back to what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in, in her response to the State of the Union when she said the divide in America today is, is, is crazy versus normal. And it's it's like they just – crazy thing after crazy thing just keeps coming and, and it's like it's almost like you get numb to it and used to it but we we obviously can't let that happen yeah it's never been a dumber time to be alive we're talking to jim jordan he's of course fourth congressional district of ohio house judiciary committee chairman uh listen the one thing we have in common with the democrats for real though and it's worth pointing out is that just like everyone in the democratic party nobody in the republican party thinks biden should run again OK, <laughs> nobody in the Democratic Party thinks he should run again. You've seen the polling on that. Have you ever been to a wedding where everyone in the church, they don't want to say it, but they know these two people shouldn't be getting married? Yeah, that's that's yeah, it, that's Biden's relaunch. Everyone in the church is like, really? Yeah, it's and when he speaks, it's it's like, you know, we've all been to a to an event, a banquet, a rotary or something where the guest speaker is just terrible and you, you, the audience is embarrassed for for him, you know, for the, whoever the person is up to speaking. You you put your head down, you start fiddling with your keys and your phone. That's way, and it's sad because we we actually all feel that way whenever, like when he was doing, talking to those kids, mm-hmm. and one one of the students asked him, this is like a grade school, we're asking, yeah. you know, where was the last country you were at, and he couldn't he couldn't remember. <laughs> oh, he was just there like three days before or something. It's, yeah, because that's, no, the, that's bad, so. well, that's the other yeah. problem is that it's not just that he didn't remember what country he was in. It was that he just got back. It was right. like a day right. ago. But now let me ask yeah. you this. Are they are they really just sending him to Epcot and telling him he's in other countries? <laughs> Can we prove he actually leaves this country or that they just send him down to Orlando and let him have beers of the world with Hunter? What do you think goes on? <laughs> what was that movie where they, they had the double? Yep. Like it had uh, uh, who was the? Oh, I can't remember, but it was like, it, yeah, like so. That's the, that's the other the, the other joke. But no, no, of course he's gone over there. But uh, right. yeah, it's just like it's just sad. It's just sad. Yeah, it's not it's not good to watch. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Because you have uh, there's a letter we were just reading it a moment ago, okay? You're you I guess essentially you're launching an investigation into this idea that U.S. Marshals may have been given a directive not to arrest protesters outside of uh, SCOTUS Justice's homes. That's a thing. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you saw we got to what is it, 18, well, I forget, 18 U.S.C., Section 1507 or something, mm-hmm. says, you know, it's, it's actually a crime to protest in front of uh, the Supreme Court justice, a, a judge's home. Yes. Um, with the intent to 
because the intent is to, to change a decision to impact the pending pending mm-hmm. matter in front of the court. And obviously that's what they were doing after the leak came out. That's why I think the leak came out was to, to create this whole atmosphere. And of course we know where it ended up. It ended up with a assassination uh, threat and attempt on, on Justice Kavanaugh. So uh, we've received information that, that suggests that it's what we put in the letter, that there may have been instructions from the attorney general to, hey, 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 don't, whatever you do, only as a last, 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 last part. But that's a direct contradiction of the, uh, the of the law, of the statute. So that's the concern, and we want to we get some answers to that. And then a host of other things seem like we've been investigating all kinds of things because so many of these agencies have been turned on uh, the American people. Well, no, and I think that's fair. I mean, and they were obviously not only marching outside of their homes, but they were marching in some instances out of their kids' schools. Now, let me play devil's advocate for a second, though. Okay, knowing this is in direct violation of the Constitution— it, you know, but at the same time, we saw who was showing up to these protests. Is there any chance yeah. they were letting them march simply because these people really needed the exercise? <laughs> I knew you were going somewhere. The, the, I couldn't figure out where, but I knew you were going Oh, good for you. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying there were some big people out there, and uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. That's all I'm trying to say is maybe, maybe somebody had their heart in the right place. Yeah. I thought you were going to – for a second, I thought you were going to really play the devil's advocate and talk about, you know, we got to be careful because of the First Amendment. I agree with that. Uh-huh. But this is, there is a statute on the books, and this was being done to impact the decision. So uh, – and, and then, you know, like you say, mm. some of them got some exercise, but um, the, <laughs> it's, uh, crazy. Still, uh, it's still scary what was going on. And, in fact, they targeted the, the conservative justices. Yes. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, outed where their kids went to school, particularly uh, – uh, 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 Justice Coney Barrett, they, they have they they put her kids' school and her church, mm-hmm. and this sort of fits in with this uh, this memo that uh, a whistleblower brought to us a couple months ago from the Richmond Field Office of the FBI. The the radical traditional Catholic is the term they use, mm-hmm. and when you read through, and they were trying to literally put informants and sources inside the parish, inside the church, and you read it, and it's it, it, there's a reference to Dobbs in the footnote. The tr- their definition of a radical traditional Catholic is a pro-life Catholic. I was doing Duffy's show, and I, and I said, Sean, when I read through this memo, I'm thinking of you and Rachel's family because you know they got like you know, they got like 30 kids. They got and a they, lot they, of kids. They're, they're, they're just a great, just a great family, great yeah. Christian, c- c- conservative Catholic pro-life family, and that's the target. Those are the ones who are radical. But if you you you, you can't be, you can't have a bunch of kids and be pro-life and pro-family, or you're somehow radical. That's what the what the, the focus of that memo was, and it's 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 all part of this, and it's scary. Yeah, it really is. And the Duffies, to your point, uh, I know them well. They have so many kids; they're going to be on that show, Hoarders. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. They're a great family. They got yeah, other. I think f- they got, what, they have nine or ten children. They I got think. nine kids. I've I've never yeah, heard awesome. of that. That's awesome. Can you can you imagine like you and your family can have a five on five game with a bench? With a bench That's player off. in basketball. That's off. We had four, and that's considered big. But over there in Western Ohio, where your yeah. where your uh, lovely wife is from, is uh, there's a lot of families who got you know six, seven, eight kids too over there. That that, that area. It's yeah, well, that's because you're sending them to work in a family. field. It's just farm help. It's different. <laughs> Believe me, Duffy ain't doing farm work. He's pretty man. He ain't going anywhere near a combine. Maybe the NFL combine with those biceps. But give me a break, man. 
Uh, last one, and I'll let you go. So Mike Morrell, former acting CIA director, he testified that Blinken orchestrated the letter, the, the letter from the Intel committee, uh, community anyway, saying the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Okay, Blinken then sits down with my man Benjamin Hall, and he goes, I don't get into politics. He was working on the Biden campaign when he drafted the letter. Do people just have no shame anymore? <laughs> uh, well, in his defense, he didn't draft the letter. He was with the Biden campaign. Yeah. Morell, when, when we deposed that, or when we interviewed Morell, we asked him, what prompted you? He said the contact from Tony Blinken is what prompted me to look into this and put the letter together. So the prompting came from the Biden campaign, came mm-hmm. from Mr. Blinken. And then, of course, when it was um, when it was, and Blinken even told him, um, excuse me, the campaign even told Morell, here's the reporter we want you to give the letter to first. And was that kind of, you know, choreographed that 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 closely? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when it's when when uh, President Biden uses it against President Trump in the debate. Um, after the debate, uh, uh, Morell gets a call from the Biden uh, campaign, actually the campaign chair, uh, Steve Reschetti, thanking him for putting it all together. But it was all prompted by a contact from Blinken on the 17th of October 2020, followed up later in that day by Blinken emailing uh, Morell a news story about the issue. That's what got him rolling and got him to do it. It's unbelievable. Like they really – like Democrats treat politics. They treat elections like it's like people who cheat in Monopoly. Like they use every rule, every angle, every scam, and then they tell you you're not playing fair. That's pretty much the last four years of our lives. That's what's going on. They're skipping spaces on the board, you know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you get yeah. it. Listen, Very I, true. Very yep. true. Well, I know you got work to do. Well, are you, when, are you bring, when are you bringing the pink tux on Fox? You Just stop let me know. Get, I'm on. Get Russell an email, and I will, <laughs> I will make sure I click it on, and we will, you know. All right. Tape it and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell Russell I'm going to go to Kids R Us after this, and I'll send him one. I'll pick one up in his size. I'll we'll check in soon, buddy. Be well. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. Take care. There he goes, the great Jim Jordan from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. Jenny Fela's district. Jenny grew up in the 4th Congressional District. She grew up on a dairy farm in Wapakoneta. Good girl. Jenny Fela, the franchise quarterback. She really just the best of the best. Jenny Fela is just God showing off. But, uh, you know, I have such a reverence for people from that district. Like, I knew Jenny and her family long before I knew Jim Jordan. But uh, it's such, like, a good, no-nonsense, you know, pro-family, pro-American region where everybody there, it's, you know, you got to work your ass off to make it there, you know. Um, and everyone does. Everybody works hard. Everybody loves the country. And everybody has, like, perspective. That's what I was so drawn to when I went out and met Jenny's family for the first time. It's certainly not the people themselves. I mean, really, it's pretty underwhelming. But uh, the point is the area as a whole, uh, I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. It's <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, this guy. But the area as a whole uh, is phenomenal. And everybody there, they're in on the joke. It reminds me a lot of what I grew up around. You know, it's funny, but the first time I went down to Tyler, Texas, and did a meet and greet at KTBB, I was one of the first big stations to host us, uh, you know, all the way back. You know, it's almost going back two full years now. Um, it's the f- it's the thing that jumped out at me is I was in the America I grew up in where everybody was cool. Everybody was funny. Everybody was working their ass off and everybody was in on the joke that if you were living in this country, you had kind of hit the lottery. So rather than being so venomous and divisive, we should just focus on what's right about the country and kind of, you know, take advantage of our good fortune. And it really is like you're living in 1982 when I grew up with like Reagan in charge. You know, it was amazing. And the current America we're living in is a different one. Well, yeah, it's still the greatest country in the world, still the most tolerant, inclusive society the world has ever known. 
But the people running the country now don't want to admit that. They don't want the young generation to be in on the joke. They want the young generation to believe they're oppressed. This despite the fact that no nation on earth has done more to overcome oppression and see to it that nobody is oppressed in this day and age. Whether you're black, white, Asian, gay, straight, trans, Latino, it doesn't even matter. Okay, if you're living here, you're in a better spot to be you than any other place in the world, no matter what your deal is. To be a you know, two-spirit person who identifies as a golden retriever. You'd be better off lifting that leg to pee here than you would in any other country in the world. And that's the thing that always resonates me when I talk about, you know, Jenny's area where she grew up. I'll be there July 29th. I'll be at the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's. You can come see me tell jokes in the heartland, you know, where these fabulous people celebrate this fabulous country. We have a bunch of laughs. Okay, and everybody has a few beers and goes home and gets up and goes back to work in the morning. That's the whole ethos. That's the whole point. And I love that about America. I love that version of America. And that version of America is the real America. That's who powers this country. The people inside the Beltway who've benefited more from this country than anybody in the world are only selling this fake idea of oppression because they want all the young voters to give up their sense of personal responsibility and depend on the government. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon doing the damn thing on a Wednesday. Kennedy's going to be joining us in the next hour. She is the host of Kennedy on the Fox Business Network. She is one half of the Laughs and Liberty Tour. Kicks off this weekend in Reading, Pennsylvania. I'll be on stage doing the damn thing, putting the first-team offense back on the field. Uh, we are at the Santander Performing Arts Center this Saturday night, May the 6th. Uh, there are still seats. Uh, if you go to Ticketmaster.com, you can get those seats. You can meet Kennedy and I after the show. Probably give us a ride home from the bar if past performance is any indication of future performance. Uh, we get a little rowdy on the road when we travel together. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. I disagree. It's been a fabulous way to go through life. <laughs> it's not a good way to go through the week because I'm so busy. i uh, got a lot of TV, got a lot of radio to do. Uh, but in this hour... You know, we were talking, what about the border and about the dereliction of duty at the southern border? That's the job that's supposed to be done. Uh, But are they doing the job in this administration of securing the border? The answer would be no. Not even a little bit. Okay. And something I harped on yesterday that I want to address again today was my dirtbag mayor, Eric Adams, who was, of course, calling out Texas Governor Greg Abbott for relocating migrants to his city. Okay. Adams wants you to believe that Abbott is sending migrants to black-run cities. That's the point. No, he's sending migrants to the five biggest cities in the world because migrants get to tell us where they want to go. To be clear, Abbott has received a few million migrants have passed through his state. He's only relocated 5,000 of them to New York. But here's Eric Adams claiming it's racist, clip 13. I never used the term racist. That was a little creative journalism Mm. that was used. Mm. Uh, But let's look at the facts. 108,000 cities in New York. 108,000. Governor Abbott sent uh, asylum seekers to New York, black mayor. 
to Washington, black mayor, to Houston, black mayor, uh, to Los Angeles, black mayor, uh, to Denver, black mayor. He passed over thousands of cities to land here. I'm not saying he's racist. I'm just saying he's targeting black people. What a clown. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting, of course, from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. But in this hour of Fox Across America, we are headed all the way across America to San Francisco, California, a town that was once run by Gavin Newsom and his woke policies. Everything woke turns to And if you don't believe me, check out the sidewalks. But we bring up uh, the State of the Union in California, one of our flagship cities, at least back in the day it was anyway, because we got another uh, disturbing and concerning and in a lot of ways heartbreaking announcement from a major corporation, Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's has just announced they are closing both of their San Francisco locations because it's just not feasible or safe to operate a business there anymore, nor is it safe to come to work in that area. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. I joke about stuff like this because it's a coping mechanism. San Francisco was one of those cities I romanticized as a kid. Loved San Francisco, whether I was watching Full House or Bullet with Steve McQueen. I mean, this is exciting stuff. My good, the conversation with Gene Hackman. San Francisco is such a cinematic city, even Escape from Alcatraz. Dirty Harry. I mean, these are the films of my youth that really romanticized that city, made it like a glam, you know, faraway mythical place. But you go to San Francisco now and, uh, ooh, it's it's sad. It's Calcutta. You know, it's just barefoot people and, you know, folks claiming to be the Messiah. And, yes, sadly, going big potty on the sidewalks. Crime is through the roof. There's drugs everywhere. It's a disaster. It's a city that's let itself go. Because their woke policies created more empathy for the takers than the makers. Okay, the takers, the people who are living off of the working class, whether they're robbing them, whether they're spending their tax dollars on subsidized drug habits in tent cities. Okay, the woke ethos is destroying major metropolitan areas in this country. And this statement I'm about to read you, again, I don't root politically against political parties. I don't go, well, this is good because the Democrat cities are failing. So that's good. More people who vote Republican. I don't, I don't take any joy in that. My job is not to make you vote Republican. My job is to see a flourishing society that we can all inhabit. And uh, I really don't care who's in charge. I'm a Republican. I vote Republican 99 times out of 100. I am unapologetically conservative, but the party is America. And sadly, the Democrats in their major cities are failing America. Okay, here's the statement. This is coming uh, from Nordstrom's chief stores officer, Jamie Nordstrom. You understand? This is the family that runs. This is like if you got a note from a guy named Bob Toyota about what they were going to do in the factory. I don't know if there's such a thing as a guy named Bob Toyota, but there is a Jamie Nordstrom. And Jamie Nordstrom sent a memo to employees Uh, saying the company will not renew its lease for its San Francisco Center Nordstrom store, nor will it renew the lease for the Market Street Rack store across the street. Now, you understand, in not doing so, 
okay? You're talking about thousands of jobs. You're talking about major economic activity in downtown San Francisco. And the reason that's so concerning beyond the economic implications at a base level, how do you pay your bills, how do you get by, is because San Francisco is already one of the most violent cities in this country. And there is a direct correlation of low rates of economic opportunity and high rates of violent crime. So not only is San Francisco a violence, you know, drug-filled hellhole as it is, it's filthy, it's disgusting, it's sad. It's a human safari. Okay, you literally, when last time I was there with Jenny and Lincoln, were like driving around and just look at that one over there and you feel bad. I don't mean it in a good way. I don't mean you're mocking them. I mean you're, you're viscerally jarred by what you're seeing. And there used to be time as a society where we felt a collective guilt about such squalor and wanted it to go away. Now we actually subsidize it with tax dollars. We keep it around. And if you pay for something with government dollars, you wind up getting more of it every single time. I think he's got a point. Okay, it's like I used to hear Rush Limbaugh say that about unemployment. It's like, ah, they keep, you know, extending unemployment. Yeah, you want to be empathetic. But if you teach people not to work, they eventually don't want to go to work. Okay, that was one of the biggest arguments against enhanced unemployment after the COVID pandemic. They crushed small businesses. Because people weren't going to go to work if the government was paying them more money to stay home. Biden sucks. Exactly. Well, that's what they did, and they really did cripple the economy. But understand, when it comes to San Francisco, here is the memo. This is from Jamie Nordstrom, the chief stores officer, okay, the CSO of Nordstrom's. It's his family that owns and operates this company. Nordstrom memo says, we've spent more than 35 years serving customers in downtown San Francisco building relationships with them, and investing in the local community. But as many of you know, the dynamics of the downtown San Francisco market have changed dramatically over the past several years, impacting customer foot traffic to our stores and our ability to operate successfully, meaning nobody goes shopping in San Francisco anymore because they don't feel safe. Bingo. Okay, nobody goes shopping in San Francisco anymore because the streets are disgusting. That's true. That is true. Nobody goes shopping in San Francisco anymore because even if they find something they like on the shelf, they're not entirely confident they won't get mugged for it when they're walking home from the store. You are correct, sir. You understand? So businesses don't go shopping in San Francisco anymore for office space. Because they know it's going to be a losing proposition. You're absolutely right. Understand this, okay? We've already seen Whole Foods. Whole Foods opened up a flagship store in downtown San Francisco. And Whole Foods is funded and owned by Amazon, biggest company in the world. Amazon could not keep a Whole Foods in business in downtown San Francisco because people didn't feel safe going to the store. Employees didn't feel safe going to work. And most of the goods they put on the shelves were stolen before a cashier could charge anybody for them. Same problem they're having in Target right now. Target has the cosmetics locked up. Think about that. Only in Gavin Newsom's woke liberal utopia of California is your toothpaste locked up but the criminals free. Okay, that's what's going on right now. Criminals roam free. Junkies roam free, subsidized with government checks. But if you want some lipstick, you're going to have to get somebody who has a key to bring it over. Listen, we've all had the experience going shopping as kids. You go to Best Buy, 
You want to get the fancy electronic? Yeah, they have it, have it locked up because somebody might steal it. Okay, I understand. But now you're dealing with a situation where we're not talking about an iPad. Okay, we're not talking about a $300 pair of Bose headphones. Okay, we're talking about basic quality of life necessities being locked up because at the absolute lowest end of the socioeconomic totem pole, people can't afford basic life necessities. Why? Because these major municipalities run by liberal elites are prioritizing everything that ma- except for what matters. Okay, we can't arrest all the violent criminals because there's no equity in the prison. We need representation in the prison. That's what we need. That's stupid. Use your common sense. Of course it is. You know who you lock up if you're a cop? You know you lock you jail if you're a prosecutor? The bad guys. That's it. The bad guys. Bad girls, bad days, bad thems. The people committing the crimes go to jail. Doesn't matter what color they are. Just put them in jail. Okay, because they're the ones that don't have respect for other people's rights. They're the ones who don't have respect for other people's well-being. Okay, you might not like the inclusion numbers, whatever they happen to work out to be, but you know who will like them? Okay, the people of every one of those socioeconomic backgrounds you're trying to be protective of. Okay, you understand 90% of violent crimes are committed against members of the same race. So if you let a white guy out of jail in the name of equity, the high rate of criminal recidivism means he is probably going to harm another white person. No differently than if you let a black person out of jail in the name of equity or a Latino person or a Muslim person or an Asian person. Okay, when people commit violent crimes, oftentimes they do it against members of the same race. So if you're letting someone out of jail in the name of equity, all you're really doing is looking out for the criminal element of a society at the expense of that same element of society that actually follows the frickin' law. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. But that's why people are fleeing places like California. New York's not particularly better. Okay, but understand the reason people are fleeing these cities, the reason big businesses are fleeing these cities is they're prioritizing things that don't matter. If you run a business, okay, you want people to feel safe shopping in your store, you want employees to feel safe going to work. You want to be confident that when you come to the store to open it up in the morning, there's not some pantless hobbit going potty in front of your door. Okay? There's not some junkie that's about to strong-arm rob your cashier. There's not some loony Antifa protester about to throw a brick through the window. They're not about to lie down in the middle of the street and block traffic because of climate change. Here's a newsflash. Nobody cares about climate change. Nobody except the people getting paid off it. Money, 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 money. But seriously, in every one of these cities, we had Eric Adams, our mayor, who was, again, a straight, I mean, Eric Adams, a straight, straight up circus clown. <laughs> straight up, though. Eric Adams last week, remember this. After we broke the 26,000 mark for felonious assaults, okay, Eric Adams was lecturing us about the need to eat less red meat in the city. Got to worry about the carbon footprint, you see. Okay, what you got to worry about is the fact that the people who do want to eat red meat don't feel safe going to the store. The people who want to sell them red meat don't feel safe being in the store. Okay, nobody cares about what the weather's going to do in 50 years because we're too busy worrying about what all the violent criminals roaming our streets are going to do right now, right now. And when you hear this about San Francisco, okay, July 1st, They're closing the Market Street rack. That's the Nordstrom rack. That's the more affordable of the two. The Nordstrom rack kind of functions like the outlet version of Nordstrom. 
Okay. The main Nordstrom and the San Francisco Center location will close at the end of August. So understand, this is a city. It's got out. I mean, I'm, when, when we say like out of control homelessness, if you've never been to San Francisco, like I've been there recently with Jenny and Lincoln, um, it's it's horrifying. I don't mean it's like one block and there's a lot of tent cities like that. Skid Row in L.A. is probably the worst thing I've ever seen in modern times. But Skid Row in L.A. is one specific area. L.A. is like you took the people of Skid Row. Excuse me. San Francisco is like you took the people of Skid Row and you threw water on a gremlin. Okay, they multiplied by a million. San Francisco is patently disgusting in the most, um, you know, I, I would say prosperous economic areas of San Francisco. It's still disgusting. Like if you go to L.A., right, in downtown L.A., okay, you drive around, you know, the Skid Row area, you drive around West Hollywood and certain factions. Yes, you will run into the cast from the Thriller video. You will run into the people who chased Michael Jackson home from the movie theater with the torn clothes who lived in the sewers. They're everywhere. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Okay, but when you go out to, say, Bel Air or like the Pacific Palisades, do you actually see those hobbits and malfeasance walking the streets? The answer would be no. Conversely, if you go to San Francisco and you go to like the Presidio, guess what? to see all the junkies and all the zombies you'd expect to see over in the Mission District, in the Tenderloin District, okay, in Union Square, over in Berkeley. They're everywhere. Okay, San Francisco is disgusting. It was once run by Gavin Newsom, but the people who elected him to run San Francisco were so impressed by the job he did, they elected him to run the entire state of California. I'm surrounded by idiots. You really are if you're living in California, which is why everyone trying to flee is now on a waiting list to get a U-Haul. Okay, you can talk to me all you want about liberal policy. They're more compassionate. They're better than conservative policies or anything in between. Okay, at the end of the day, flip over the back of the baseball card, show me the stats, and I'll tell you whether or not you're a good governor. If more people are fleeing your state than any other state in the country, you suck at your job. If there is a waiting list to get a U-Haul one way out of your country, you suck at your job. And under Gavin Newsom's leadership, not only is there a waiting list for the people to move, but there's a waiting list for the businesses to move, which means this guy and all of their policies absolutely suck. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right.
Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon talking away over here in the commercial break. I am working. You guys didn't know this, but I am working on a top secret. You know how I tell this audience way too much? I'm going to be traveling the country uh, in the coming weeks in between stand-up comedy gigs. I'll be in Los Angeles, Cape Canaveral, Florida. I'll be down in Washington, D.C. I'm doing a documentary about the moon landing hoax. And I'm not saying it's a hoax. Hold on. Jenny Fela's whole family is from Wapakoneta, Ohio, the hometown of Neil Armstrong. You can't walk around there saying it's a hoax. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. But seriously, the documentary is exploring the conspiracy surrounding the moon landing, and it's comedic. And I obviously believe we landed on the moon because uh, I'm gullible. Uh, but the point is we're working on uh, – uh, some location shoots. The great William Shatner is going to be in the documentary. We're talking to Elon Musk, uh, Jim Jordan, because, of course, Wapakoneta is in his district. And then Kennedy is going to be in the documentary and a couple of comedians I'm friends with. And, of course, we're going to talk to some actual conspiracy theorists as well as some rocket scientists. And uh, when I'm not on the air with you, on the radio or the TV, or maybe working on some top-secret writing project that I've also been tasked with doing, uh, I am working on this documentary around the clock. I am full, uh, I'm in full-on moon mode, and uh, we'll get into some of this with Kennedy when she joins us in the next break because Kennedy is from California, and Kennedy was at a party this weekend that may or may not have been attended by the governor of California, and Kennedy may or may not have gone up to him and asked him why he sucks at his job. What the hell did you just say? She'll set the record straight uh, when we come back on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I pretty much tell you everything about me. Like, you guys have the highest security clearance in the cable news industry. Uh, and one thing I will say about me that you can know for certain is that at no point during a D.C. cocktail party this Friday night did I go up to Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and take exception to his policies of the overall state of the state he governs. Uh, but joining me now in studio is a woman who may or may not have, I don't know, I'm not going to confirm nor deny this, host of Kennedy on the Fox Business Network, the K-Train, is in the house. I had a great time. <laughs> That's the party for night. Just for the record, I had a great time. Uh-huh. I did. I saw the governor of California, and I'm like, well, here's my chance. Because <laughs> she did. All these CNN weasels are just, they they had their lips so far up his hiney hole that I was embarrassed for them. <laughs> yes. And I don't want him to think that the press fawns over him and, and what he does is okay and that mm-hmm. he can just. So I walked up to him, and he goes, oh, here we go. <laughs> and he was, like, looking around for anyone to save him, and I'm like, I, I gave him, like, one of the ah, faces and jazz hands. And he was like, oh, are you going to get mad at me? Are you going to yell at me? Are you going to tell me California's a hellhole? <laughs> and I said, Gavin, I want you to do two things. He's like, oh, what's that? And I said, 
cut taxes and cut spending. She goes, oh, cut taxes and cut spending. I said, yeah, exactly. Now you're getting it. Thank you, girlfriend. And uh, so if you're wondering, if you're watching Kennedy this week, why she has a burn mark on her neck, it's from a taser (laughs) that came from Newsom's security detail. One of his minders. And then I saw the first, sorry, the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, Mm -hmm. Vice President Kamala Harris's husband. Mm -hmm. And so they have a house in Brentwood, California, which Mm -hmm. is a town away from where I have a house in OJville, USA. Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's only one Whole Foods. Yep. So... When he goes to that Whole Foods, like, I'm a normal guy going to Whole Foods. It's like, no, you're not, because you have, like, three Secret Service SUVs, mm-hmm. and they park diagonally. They each take up four, six spots apiece. And so I kindly went up to him and I said, sir, can you please stop going to the Whole Foods on San Vicente? <laughs> I was like, you, you take up all the parking, and it's such a pain. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was, you know, he was he was very second gentlemanly. He is very, I, I spoke with him for a brief moment. Very, like, sweet and nerdy and, you know, deferential is what I found. He was talking to Amy Klomashar, who is a towering three foot seven. Eating her salad with a tone. <laughs> and the- I was like, okay, first of all, Madam Senator, there's no salad being served here. Second of all, they have forks. <laughs> She brought her own salad and her own comb. I was like, what are you, with a little mermaid? (laughs) It's really bizarre. Kennedy is in studio. We were down in the swamp this week, and they were all there. What I'm taken back by when we go to these media events, right, is be it the media or the politicians that they phone over, everybody is in such a self-congratulatory posture as they're all doing horribly. Like the 62 Mets uh, lost over 120 games. And at no point, I promise you, did they throw a party to celebrate what a good job they were doing on the field. But the media is the equivalent of the 62 Mets in terms of job performance. Gavin Newsom would be a good example. Yeah, the media, politicians. And they're like, we're awesome, right? Yeah. Aren't we amazing? And then they just walk around and tell each other how amazing they are. Yes. It's like, no, you're, you're doing horribly. And I actually made a beeline for Alejandro Mayorkas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and someone intercepted him. I was devastated because I was going to go, <laughs> Mr. Secretary, please just do me a favor. Just please resign. Please, because no one says it. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, it's, last year I uh-huh. saw Jen Psaki mm-hmm. when she was still press secretary, when she was giving Peter Ducey a really hard time. Yep. And I went up to her and I said, can you please stop calling Peter Ducey names? I said, it is so unprofessional. And he's such a wonderful person. It's just the sweetest. And I said, and he says really nice things about you. And she felt really bad. <laughs> but all these people, like, they're so dishonest. So yes. what we say in private or what we say on TV, mm-hmm. we should say to these people when we see them. Yeah. I think we're doing – like I saw Eric Swalwell at the same party, mm-hmm. and I went up to him and I said, I flipped you off at Newark Airport a couple weeks ago. And he said, oh, that was you? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, you look so nice. Why would you do that? And I said, I'm a delight. Uh, and this is why we can't guard her man to man. When we go to a party, we actually, like, play a zone. You know when you're playing street football with your friends? I'm talking to you, the listener, and you drop a play on your hand. You're like, all right, you're here, you're here, you go there. Every time I've ever gone to a major public event with Kennedy, me and whoever else is in the entourage, I have to pull out my hand like we're playing street football and be like, all right, you're here, you're here, Kennedy's here. Okay, we're going to walk as a triangle wherever she goes. I need someone within three feet to dive in and interrupt the conversation. And I broke away. It was outrageous. But it also speaks to the priorities between us because you were talking 
uh, quite animatedly, I might add, in some instances with lawmakers and people like that. I was just uh, meeting the guy who runs the Daily Mail and asking him about the bikini shots and everything else that he published. Like, I'm just a dirtbag at these parties. But that's that's a smart to, move. Yeah, well, to your credit, you're trying to save the world. I'm just trying to get tipped off to the next time Heidi Klum is well, doing Well, I want those. these people to, to think about something. When, I know. They, when they leave here and they, they think about the party— I want Gavin Newsom to go, man, maybe we should cut taxes. Imagine. Like, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. And then he'll go, (laughs) no, never. (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh, that's fun. Oh, kill me. I kill me. It's like uh, the movie in in Goodfellas when Ray Liotta's like, hey, Tommy. And they finally break and they laugh. (laughs) Funny how. (laughs) Cut taxes how? (laughs) No chance. No chance. They they died laughing. So we're talking to Kennedy. So I bring up Gavin Newsom again because he was the hot topic of conversation at the top of this hour. Nordstrom's is leaving San Francisco. Two Nordstrom. So now anthropology is gone. Whole Foods is gone. If you want to buy toothpaste at Target, it's locked up. Like Walgreens, like they, they are every chain store is mm-hmm. is they're closing up shop. They're battening down the hatches. They're leaving San Francisco because it is just too dangerous. Yes. And London Breed, the mayor of San Francisco, is identical to the mayor of Portland. And mm-hmm. that's like I get it. Part of being a politician is selling yourself, selling your soul whoring yourself out to get reelected, but apparently it's also lying yeah. and being completely dishonest with people. You may not get reelected, but if you were honest mm-hmm. with the constituents you serve, they would have so much more respect for you. Yeah. And it would make your city better. Well, that's but the she's point. like, actually San Francisco's like kind of amazing. Like <laughs> no one talks about how good the clam chowder is down on the wharf. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, have you ever had a sourdough bread bowl with clam chowder in it? It's amazing. <laughs> and it's like Ma'am, a homeless guy just bit a three-year-old and gave her hepatitis. And and that was that was just me walking from my hotel to the cab stand. Dude, no one understands this. Well, I was saying this earlier. If you've ever seen the Michael Jackson thriller video, when things take a turn. So they're walking home from the movie theater. It's nice. He's hitting on a girl with a straight face, I might add. Some of Michael's best work. She had a straight face. <laughs> the fact that either of them were able to dignify that conversation. But then the manhole stuff starts happening, and people come out of manhole and everything manhole. like that. Hey, Jim. girl. <laughs> Family show. Might I remind you? So anyway, but that is San Francisco. And, you know, I laugh at it as a coping mechanism, but I don't think people understand. Like, it's almost impossible to do it justice. It's that bad. It makes me so sad. It does, because I love like, that city. the memories I have, my aunt lived in San Francisco for 25 years. That's We would drive there from Portland mm-hmm. once or twice a year. I mean, I absolutely... Love that city. I'm wearing a San Francisco 49ers yep. shirt right now. That's my team. That's where my stepdad grew up. I feel such a connection to the city. I don't know that city anymore. I don't nope. want my parents. They used to go a few times a year and, and visit my stepdad's family. They can't do that anymore. Nope. It, it's just, it's unsafe. And now they're vulnerable. And at what point do you get past the point of no return? At what point do you admit this utopian ideal that progressives have sold us? That, you know, we are victimizing the victims, mm-hmm. you know, by, by incarcerating people. It's like, no, you have to have accountability and rules, the same rules for everyone. That's how a civil society works. They have given up on that. So they let really bad people out mm-hmm. to harm the good people who yep. then go, I'm going to take my millions of dollars and move to another city where there's lower taxes and less crime. How about that? And that's what everybody's doing right now. What people don't get is when the businesses flee, when the economic opportunities go down, violent crime goes up higher. Because they've got more blight. It's it's a bad situation. But let's cheer people up, okay? Over in Britain, everybody over in London right now is talking about the big event of May 6th, which is, of course, the kickoff of the Laughs and Liberty Tour. 
you and me will be the only the only place to celebrate that is Reading, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and then there's nobody in London cares about any other event this weekend beyond you and me. I don't me. even think anyone's going. <laughs> it's the, like Meghan Markle's out. People are like, yeah, I, I did tore up their tickets. Can you imagine if the coronation it really did look like the Trump inauguration? Do you remember what like the Great Mall was like, kind of half empty? He didn't get his crowd that yeah, day. Yeah, and Sean Spicer was like. There were so many. It was like record breaking. He actually, like, do you remember this? Yeah. He goes, President Trump's inauguration was the largest inauguration crowd in history, period. That was the word. Mm-hmm. And then it was like people just started throwing challenge flags. <laughs> like it was. <laughs> and to be clear, you know, his crowd wanted nothing to do with the swamp. It wasn't their scene. They didn't show up. But, we, you know, we can't kid ourselves and pretend they did. But it would be really funny if Prince Charles, everybody was just over the monarchy. And it's just like a... Where it, is everybody? <laughs> I thought we were going to do this. Where's me crown? <laughs> do you remember in Major League when there's just this nobody there? Die hard night here at the stadium. <laughs> Free admission. Anybody was alive the last time the Indians won a world championship. Uh, it's just that. It would be epic to watch. But I have a feeling it'll be a big crowd. And, and I would have a feeling that in... On top of the coronation, uh, is they're also riding high because our man George Michael got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. First try. How about that? That's a that's a big deal. And so, Jim, you and I are driving to Reading, Pennsylvania. True story. Because you know we're too dangerous to take any form of public transit. Let's Can't let's happen. just be honest about no, that. No, they don't have the so security. so we're driving and we're going to be blaring George Michael the entire way, all the way. Like there. my my mascara is going to be down to my collarbones yeah, because yeah. I'm going to be just sobbing. Now, Kennedy and I play so much George Michael on the road, we actually get pulled over by the cop and the village people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you guys want a disco after this? <laughs> do you know why I stopped you? Why? There's a disco down the road about three miles. I think you guys would love it. That's where it's headed. It's oh, headed to my officer was, was I doing 70 into 65? No! <laughs> it's, it's bubble night! But I'd love it if you'd do 69 and a 55. Step out of the car. Hey, yo, the morning zoo is back. Kennedy's here. Oh, it's so exciting. But what a weekend. All right. So if you're looking for real entertainment, let's talk about this. The coronation, which whether you like it or you think it's ridiculous. I'll be up at five in the morning. Watching oh, I'll, I'll be up too. the Jenny's fail is in town. Jenny, Jenny fail. Jenny Fela's family is in town this weekend. Yeah, that's right. So they're up. You know I, mean, I mean, they're they're farm people. Yeah, well, they also they get up to get Jenny's beer cans off the front lawn before kids start going to school in the morning. It's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing, Jenny. People are talking. They they get up to milk the cow, and, and you have to remind them all you have is a dog. Yeah, the dog's like, I was very hands-on, the petting this morning. It's a little more aggressive than I'm used to. This is, wow, this is some. Oh, right there. Right there. Uh, moo! <laughs> I got to say, sir, the callus actually works for me. (laughs) So we'll be up. You got to think about the Saturday in terms of entertainment options. I really want you guys to think about this. You have the coronations at 5 in the morning, and it is a hell of a spectacle. For whatever you think of the monarchy, the hell of a show. No, there's there's oil. There's a little carriage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, ooh, which crown is she going to wear? Yeah, oh, that happens. Hot. Okay. Then you've got the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. How about that? And then you've got our. So if you're driving, I can have mint juleps on the way to Reading, correct? (laughs) Are you going to wear a fascinator like you're in London? We didn't even think about that. Fascinator? I just met her. Um, I I, I have to scare one up. I have a hot glue gun, so I'm sure I can put something together. Jenny, you know Jenny can make something. Yeah, that's absolutely right. If she's listening, it's probably made. It's probably already already done. It's already done. (laughs) She's got three color options for you. mosaics, plumes. (laughs) I'm, I'm excited about this. So you've got a coronation. Okay, you've got a Kentucky derby and then you've got our stand-up show at the and end that's of the day. three ways to lose money i think that's <laughs> i mean 
That's the turkey right there. And, and if you can't hit that trifecta, you can always ignite your fireplace and throw a few hundred dollars into it <laughs> and feel like you had the same day we did. No, we're going to burn it down. Yeah, Red no, I'm, I'm really excited to kick off the Laughs and Liberty Tour. Uh, we, we'll have our first contestant for the Freedom Chalice. Oh. Yeah, we will be deciding how good the steak is Ooh, Redding. in Reading. Any any suggestions, feel free. We had a good steak in D.C. last week, didn't we? Oh, it we was, sure did. It was called, if you're listening in the swamp area, uh, it was the St. Anselm mm-hmm. is where we were, right? Yeah. That was a home run steak. But the one thing they didn't tell us, fine print, St. Anselm, if you're listening, and I know you are, okay, their glorious pork chop takes an hour an and a hour. half. Who does that? But they don't tell you that till you sit down. In advance. Like, I feel like Who's they- Who's going to sh- sit there for an hour like, you know what? I'm going to watch. I'm starving. Yeah. I'm so hungry. I'm going to get a 32-ounce pork chop. Uh, I'm going to sit and watch everyone else <laughs> eat all three courses. Yes. And I'm going to salivate. I know. And get a migraine from hunger. <laughs> and then, and then they are going to sit here full and watch me eat yeah. <laughs> like it's some kind of focus group. Yeah. No, it's bizarre, Saint Anselm. So an outstanding. I mean, an A plus restaurant. If you're listening, but if we book a table, maybe text us that there are certain rules. Yeah. You know, yeah, like you, you go to a restaurant, and they're like, by the way, the souffle takes a half hour. I would order it now. Yeah, you order it at dinner. Cocktails. Exactly. That way it'll be ready when you're ready for dessert. But no. So they Oregon trailed the pork chops, and we had to kill people for rations. But yeah, other and, than that. And Jimmy was starving. It was bad. He was a shell of himself by the time we left <laughs> that restaurant. <laughs> Maybe that's why we were so rough on Gavin Newsom. We, we were just hungry. We were hangry. He's like, I, and I saw John Leguizamo. I know people hate him. Yeah. But. I love 90s John Leguizamo. Yeah, he was a good, fun John Leguizamo. Yeah, and it's like he came by MTV a lot. Like mm-hmm. he was he was such a sweetheart. You know, and everyone's like, he's a Trump hater. He's a, he's a traitor. No. I'm like, no, he's not. But I say this every day, okay? I don't want to live in a world where we have to look at other people as our enemy. Like mm-hmm. this is to get serious for a minute. It's because like if we ever actually have an enemy, like we have to go to war again, like we have to be able to acknowledge that these people were actually our teammates. We just weren't getting along in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's why you come to the Laughs and Liberty Tour. It's a scared straight from Yeah, America. we can all go in the locker room. Hey, girl. That's what I was told. <laughs> locker room talk. Oh, there's going to be a lot of locker room talk. <laughs> Do you remember that Trump phrase? I had never heard that phrase before. Oh, I'd, really? I'd also never heard the technique before. Grab her by the hoo-ha. I've yeah. never heard that. No one ever said that in conversation. You know, when I got the speech from my mom, that was never, you know, you don't open with your closer, I guess, but we never had that. Uh, but locker room talk, I thought, was a really funny phrase. Yeah, no, I've heard that since I was a kid. Uh, is that true? Yeah, because I got in trouble for it. <laughs> I got chastised. From my locker room talk, of and it's like you, you know that when when you're in eighth grade, everyone's like, "Do you have a tampon?" <laughs> like that's a locker room talk. Yeah, you're not like ah. So is this your, itch. So is this your Spider-Man origin story? Is this like the radioactive spider that left you in all of these men's locker rooms that we're constantly pulling you out of? I'm still trying to get in there. <laughs> the Rangers, they might not have played defense in Game Seven, but they've done a good job off the ice, have they ever? Have they ever? Let me in. <laughs> Igor, he knows me. He knows me. <laughs> I'm supposed to be in here. Too funny. Uh, the K-Train will be in Reading with a, with a fascinator on. Yeah. And a chimp, and, if someone follows through, yes. a chimp or a small primate. Thank how is you. that? How is that so difficult? Thank you. We'll get some headphones so your chimp can Alaris? listen to George Michael. We would take a Loris. Like, I would love to pet a Loris. Thank you. I think no, well said. I think I think we've set the terms of the negotiation here. I don't think there's anything else to add. Uh, watch Kennedy tonight at seven o'clock on the Fox Business Network. And in the meantime, now get her out. Get her out of here. <laughs> this is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. 
Oh, girl. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We are in the bottom of the ninth on the radio. But I'm taking my talents over to the TV. I'll be on the Sean Hannity Show tonight, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If that's not enough Fallivision for you. Tomorrow you can see me on Waters World in studio with Jesse Waters. And then tomorrow night at 11, I will be on Gutfeld with our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. Friday night, I'm joining Lawrence Jones in studio on a show called Fox News Tonight. You probably don't know this, but we have an opening in the 8 o'clock slot right now here at Fox. And, uh, you know, it's just a little inside baseball. And I'll be there with LJ doing the damn thing. I play the teams on the schedule, folks. That's the only wisdom I can impart if you listen to the show every day. So whatever job they give you, just do the hell out of it. It'll create a market for you somewhere else. You know, you just, yeah, this guy actually is kind of responsible. He kind of shows up. You don't have to be talented. You listen to the show every day. I'm not talented. I'm just dependable. I'll go to work. I'll do the damn job. And I'm not really a huge pain in the ass. That's basically all it is. So that's my life advice to you. Have a great night. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.